I remember taking a walk in my neighborhood and I remember saying to myself, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to have the courage to walk away and to do something different. But it was almost, it was hard to walk away because I, I did like it. I love my clients. I was making a good salary. I had flexibility, you know, all the things. And I remember saying to myself, something major is going to have to happen to give me the courage to walk away. And I can even tell you like where I was in my neighborhood on my walk when I said that to myself. You know how we hear like our little boys talking to ourselves. So um, yeah, you know, sometimes be careful what you wish for because a few months later I went through breast cancer. Hello, you are listening to the Late Bloomer Living Podcast, where we are reimagining and redefining what it means to be in midlife, where we are gathering energy, momentum, and excitement for our next chapter via candid conversations with other midlifers about their own pivots, pitfalls, and triumphs. I'm Yvonne Marchese, your host, and I'm so happy you're here. Today, I'm talking to Dara Kurtz of the Crazy Perfect Life blog. Dara is a speaker and an author and co-host of Thrive the Podcast with Garth and Dara. She's a busy lady. Seven years ago, her life looked quite a bit different. She was diagnosed with breast cancer at the age of 42, and that started her down a whole new path in life. After her recovery from her treatment for breast cancer, Dara left her 20-year career as a personal banker and financial advisor. She realized that she was essentially a changed person and that there was no going back to the old normal. Going back to her old career would have felt like putting on a pair of jeans that just doesn't fit anymore. What she really wanted was to use her life experiences to help people strengthen their relationships and create more happiness and joy in their everyday lives. Now she does just that through her writing, speaking, and podcasting. I think after the year we've all just lived through, we might all be questioning whether or not we want things to go back to life as we knew it. Do you feel changed by this year? Has it left you wondering what's next and thinking that maybe you have more to give or more to explore in this precious life you've been given. I can't wait for you to hear our conversation, but before we do, I have a quick favor to ask. If you are a regular listener, I could really use your help in letting people know about the podcast. If you listen in the Apple Podcast app, can you take a quick second right this moment to leave a review or a rating? That really helps make sure that other people can find these conversations. And if you could, just simply tell a friend about it. That would also be awesome. Thank you so much. And now, without further ado, here's Dara Kurtz. Let's go. Hi, Dara. Thank you so much for being with me today. Hi, I'm thrilled to spend this time with you. I'm so excited. Oh my gosh. So I always like to say how I found people or how we connected and Dara and I kind of connected on Instagram first, right? Yeah, the power of social media. Yeah. And literally guys, I just found out this morning that 
she knows my best friend, Donita, who is Donita Mama Bear, who was episode two, actually my very, very first interview. And Dara was on Donita's podcast. How many years ago do you I think? I don't know. Um, my Crazy. Book, answer, my first book came out years ago. And so it was then, I mean, at least three, three and a half. Four and I don't know. It's been almost, it's been about seven years since I went through breast cancer. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm so grateful. My little mind is blown. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you universe. <laughs> Very cool. So I'm so excited that you're here. And I, I, I mean, you have so much going on. You're doing crazy, perfect life, your blog, you've got your podcast. It's thrive the podcast, right. That you're doing it's with Garth. Called, um, thrive the podcast with Garth and Dara. Love it. Love it. And oh my gosh, there was one of your recent episodes on um, fear and fear versus faith. Yeah. Yeah. That was phenomenal. Just a, a, yeah, a really, I highly recommend the podcast guys. And yeah. And then my um, most recent book, I am my mother's daughter, wisdom on life, loss and love just released in September. So congratulations. It's really fun and a virtual book tour, but um, you know, we just, as we all are doing, we're, we're just kind of adapting to life and, and the way it is right now. Right, right. And like, as we were talking before, before we started recording, we were talking about how our kids are having to adapt and all of us are having to adapt to this craziness, right? It's definitely a lesson in patience, like mm-hmm. patience and there's, and, and the loss of control, because let's face it, we don't have a lot of control with a lot of the things that are going on right now. Yeah. And we sure do like to feel like we've got control, don't we? We sure. But do. you know what? We don't really ever have control. No, it's just we so hot. We're just, I think now because of this collective experience, we're also aware of how much we aren't in control of. But but really the truth is, is you never know. We're we're never in control. Life is uncertain for all of us. And if we yeah. really take the time to think about that we wouldn't even leave our homes. You know, we would just be like, oh my gosh, what could happen? But we can't live that way. And so um, the pandemic has sort of forced a lot of people to look that in the eye and see what that feels like. And as we all know, it, it doesn't necessarily feel so good right now. No. How are you holding up? Yeah. Do- I, you know, I feel like I'm doing really well. I mean, I have my hard moments. Um, you know, I have two daughters my oldest is 21. She's a junior in college. She just went back to school, but my youngest is 18. And we've had a lot of really beautiful family time. And I've just tried to maximize the time that we've had, recognizing that it it really has been sacred time. My daughter was supposed to be abroad studying, like she wasn't supposed to even be in this country. And so, you know, I feel like that's been sort of a gift, but life is not perfect. And we've had our share of you know, family drama throughout all this when tensions were high and voices were raised and that's just part of it. Yeah. Yeah. It all comes part and parcel, doesn't it? Yeah. I've got uh, my two teenagers and, you know, I feel, uh, again, like it's a blessing. I'm this extra kind of like stolen time with them because otherwise they wouldn't, they would not be hanging around me. You know, I'm sure they feel completely differently about the whole thing, but you know, and yeah, again, definitely moments of tension. You get a lot of people in the house all the time together. It's a little much. (laughs) I feel like after this, like when everything is 
normal. And I put that in quotes because whatever normal feels like again, but when right. I, normal, I feel like my kids are going to be like, see ya, <laughs> you know, they're going to be like, I'm out. And they're just going to be like off and about doing their thing, you know, and I, we're never going to get to spend time with them again. I know. I mean, I hope that doesn't happen, but you know, I feel like they're caged right now and they really want that freedom. Yeah. That they're, you know, they've gotten used to. It's nuts. It's nuts. So I want to go back in time a little bit. I mean, you've had a couple of big pivot moments uh, in your life. I mean, one of them had you starting the blog, right? Um, and that was your your bout with uh, breast cancer, right? As you said, like seven, seven years ago yeah. now, huh? So it's been seven years since I went through breast cancer. And at the time I was 42, my kids were 11 and 14. And it really just sort of came out of nowhere. I mean, really one day I was fine. And the next day I was hearing words like surgery and mass chemotherapy. And I found it relatively early and I had a lot of great things going for me, but I still needed to be as aggressive as possible. And so mm -hmm. I went through a lot. It was really hard for me, for my family. And at the end of that, I thought, you know what, at the time I was a financial advisor and I had done that for over 20 years. And I thought, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to think about money. I want to use my experience to help other people. And so I went, waited a little bit of time, really contemplated it, and then walked away from a really, you know, and I put this in quotes, successful career because, you know, society likes to measure things. And um, as we all know, and on paper, everything looked really successful, but it wasn't mm -hmm. speaking to my heart. And so after going through breast cancer, I thought I'm, I'm out of here. I want to start writing. I want to find my voice. I want to help people. And that's when I quit my job and started Crazy Perfect Life. And I had no idea what I was doing, what to expect. I just took a, a leap of faith. Wow. Were you, when before you had cancer and, and you're just living life, doing your thing, did, did you feel dissatisfaction in the job before that? Yeah, I did. I did. In fact, I remember taking a walk in my neighborhood and I remember saying to myself, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to have the courage to walk away and to do something different, but it was almost, it was hard to walk away because I, I did like it. I love my clients. I was making a good salary. I had flexibility, you know, all the things. And I remember saying to myself, something major is going to have to happen to give me the courage to mm. walk away. And I can even tell you like where I was in my neighborhood on my walk when I said that to myself, you know how we hear like our little voice talking to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, you know, sometimes be careful what you wish for because a few months later I went through breast cancer and, wow. you know, for me, after going through that, I really struggled with this because the doctor said, okay, Dara, time to get back to the business of living, go, you know, go back to the way things were. And I remember feeling like, I don't want to go back to the way things were because I'm not the same person. I've changed a lot. And if I just go back to the way things were, then how am I using this experience to kind of, you know, jumpstart or have the courage to change or to do some of the things I wanted to do. And so um, that's when I was really like, no, I'm not going to go back. I'm going to, I'm going to walk away. And I'm so glad I did. You know, I could never have imagined feeling the happiness and joy that I feel today because I'm doing what speaks to my heart. 
And it doesn't make the kind of money that maybe I made before. But again, the way that I measure success is very different today than the way I measured success back then. Yeah. Yeah. It really is about, it really is about defining what success means, I think, which, um, you know, I think so many people head down a path that is, that looks good on paper. Exactly. And, and then have to deal with the, the thought of, I have everything. Why am I not, why am I not happy? I think so many people feel that way. And, you know, I find myself, you know, I talk to a lot of people and I, I feel like success is one of those things that we really have to define for ourselves because we owe it to ourselves to figure out what that truly means to me, to you, to our ki- for our kids. I always tell my kids like, you know, you have to define success for yourself. And I don't want my voice in their heads telling them what they should do. Right. And I, have to, I have to kind of watch that myself because as parents, it's easy for us to think that our kids should or shouldn't do whatever we think they need to do. But again, I want them to live an authentic life that, that feels rewarding to their hearts. Right. It's a tough line to, to walk tough. as a parent, isn't it? Cause I do, I feel exactly the same way. I, you know, um, and as I, as I try to, especially as they're teenagers and they're really becoming their own people, it, it's really, um, you know, cause I get judgy about the amount of time that they're on their games. Right. And sometimes I'm like, well, should I be that judgy about it? I, d- I don't know. I, I have to question myself and, and my own judgments that I'm passing on how they're spending their time, you know? Um, but at the same time, I do strongly feel like dudes get out and do something and walk and, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's a tricky it, thing. It is. It's hard. I, I feel like, you know, there are different seasons of parenting, if that makes any sense. And, you know, I can see it with my daughter who's a junior in college, we're in a different season of our relationship, meaning she's, well, you know, she's not usually living in my house. (laughs) Um, So we're kind of in that more of that friend zone now in that I'm not saying in a normal situation, you know, clean up your room, take your stuff upstairs, you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, she's living independently and, and she's, you know, so we're kind of in a different space than I am with my senior in high school who, you know, we're very, very close, but we're not, we're not really necessarily in the friend zone because I still really need to parent her and she's not really going to like all the decisions that I'm making and that's okay. Yeah. I do think there are different seasons. I, I think that after we go through the pandemic, things have sort of opened up in terms of like, the way people can live. I feel like, you know, people are working from home and a lot of people will continue to work from home. And some people, you know, I just feel like everything's sort of kind of mixing up and changing. Mm -hmm. And that maybe is one of the good things is that people are going to be a little bit more flexible or less judgmental about the choices that other people make because everyone's just sort of figuring it out and it's okay. I sure hope so. I, I, I do think that this is a majorly collective moment of rethinking societal structures yeah, and exactly. what is valuable. What, what's a valuable life? What is a valuable life? What does that, what does that mean? You know, 
that? What, what does that mean to you? And mm-hmm. everyone has to decide that for themselves. What brings meaning to you, happiness, joy? You know, these are things that I never really thought about until I went through breast cancer because I was so on that path of, you know, this is working, things are good, I'm doing what I should do, everyone's happy, it, it's checking all the boxes. Uh, the should word, that should go on the list of uh, bad words, right? I strongly dislike the word should. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, strongly dislike that word. Sure. Yep, I struggle with it all the time, <laughs> all the time. <laughs> I got a lot of shoulds. <laughs> oh my goodness. So when you, when you, when you made it through your recovery, did you start the blog during, or was it after I I started it after I started Mm -hmm. it after the doctor said, you know, okay, go back, start time to live your life. I mean, that's really when I struggled to be perfectly honest with you, because that's when I felt like I have no idea what that even means anymore. For so long, I was focused on my treatment plan and getting through all the stuff. And it's really sort of after you go through a, a health situation after you're finished with whatever the treatment is, that's when it really becomes like a mental game because you have to, you have to find your peace. You have to figure out how to make peace with what happened to you so that you can move forward and live the rest of your life without fear seeping into every single day of your life. And I was really afraid because I thought, okay, if this had happened to me one time, how am I going to make sure this doesn't happen to me again? And it was really scary. And I did so much work on myself. I mean, I started meditating and practicing Kundalini yoga and went to a lot of counseling and reading like every possible thing I could get my hands on and really started eating super cleanly. Not that I didn't before, but just that kind of even took a different look and exercising, um, just, I changed so much because I had to find my peace. And I think anyone who goes through a scary health situation, regardless of what it is, has to find, has to make peace with what happened. I think the aftershocks of fear are so, such a challenge for survivors after the fact, you know, and I know for my friend Donita, that has been an ongoing thing for her that she's talked about um, on her podcast is, is how to, how to move past that, you know, cause wow. I mean, it's just, how, how do you move past it? Right. You you start doing reflection and are you, how do you feel today? Like seven years later, do you still have a lot of fear around it? I feel nothing but grateful. I am so grateful for my life. I'm so grateful to be on this side of things. I really trust my doctors. You know, I still see my doctor and I'm still monitored. I told her, I'm like, you're stuck with me. I am never walking away. (laughs) That, you know, that's part for me. That's part of keeping myself grounded. And I, I feel like everyone has to figure that out for themselves. Like, what does it take for you to feel grounded every single day? And, and for me, it's, it's really practicing a lot of daily self-care and, and taking care of myself the best possible way that I can. And, um, you know, a lot of that is also who I surround myself with and how I spend my time and, and what that looks like and, and doing things that fill me up instead of deplete me. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I had a, a melanoma on the bottom of my foot that had to get removed. It feels like, but I, it's funny. I don't really have the same feeling of like 
being a cancer survivor, because my experience was more like they went in, they cut it out. And then, yeah, I spent three months on, on crutches because it was on the bottom of my foot. Um, and it took forever to heal, but, but I never had chemo. I never had the, I never had like the, the full immersive can't cause they caught it really early. I was super lucky. Um, so it's interesting, but that was a key moment for me to look at what was important to me and where was I going from there? I will say like, just, just started, you know, really kind of started me down the journey of, of self-awareness and, and, you know, I think that's amazing that you chose to use that experience to grow and ask yourself a lot of questions. And again, I, I think we all have those situations in life. Everyone who's listening to this podcast is gonna, we're gonna all have moments that are more challenging than others. And it's, 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 it's what we choose to do with them and how we use the experience to maybe move forward and the choices that we make yeah. to be intentional or not about what we want to do with our time. So when you started the blog, you were like, I didn't know anything. When- I didn't know anything. <laughs> so, so how long has it been now? It's been you- over five years. What would you say the transition time was from, from your recovery until you decided to do like, where did, where, where was your turning point? How, how long was that struggle? Cause I think sometimes people hear, you know, when I talk to my guests, they, they hear the end story, the happy ending kind of part of it. Right. And, and that messy middle struggle kind of gets lost, I think. Yeah. How, how long was that? And what did that feel like for you to be in that? you know, so I think that after we made, I made the decision to quit my job. So I did that. And then I, um, started getting some people that were experts in web design and and all of those things. Cause I'm not a computer person at all. Um, you know, in fact, I, I said like, I had an assistant that did all that stuff for me, you know, now I'm doing it, you know, for myself back then. That's a Um, big shift. Yeah. yeah, It was a big shift. Yeah. So we, I got my web design up and running and then the social media things. And, and it was a lot of daily hard work. It was a lot of me um, being on social media and getting used to being vulnerable and writing from my heart and putting it out there and seeing how it was going to be received and, and feeling like I was exposed and getting used to that and really trying to build my social media exposure and working really hard at that. I I think at the time I had like um, 30 different share relationships with different Facebook pages across the whole entire world. And where I would share like a post from one page and they would share a a blog post from my page. And I mean, that's really how I I grew my Facebook page where it is now. Um, And back then the, the algorithms in Facebook were a lot more generous as well. So, um, right. You know, but it was a lot of daily work and I, you know, I used to joke, my husband would go to work, my daughters would go to school and, and I would work and I didn't necessarily like, I didn't have a paycheck to show for that work, Mm -hmm. but I was working really hard, but it gave me purpose and it made me feel so good because I was really connecting to my heart and I was finding my voice and I was, I was, I was becoming unafraid of 
speaking my mind and finding my truth, whatever that was. And, um, you know, there were times when my family didn't always like what I was writing and, you know, they didn't necessarily, they didn't like the, that, that I had changed so much and maybe that our family was exposed a little bit. So we all kind of mm-hmm. had to get used to that, but mm-hmm. I was meeting people from around the world that were, that were like-minded, that, that just wanted to help other people. And that was amazing. I mean, one of the things I love so much about this platform today is the people that I meet like you every single day, Yeah, these amazing, beautiful, heartfelt connections with people that I never would have gotten to meet. It's amazing, isn't it? It's one of the reasons I love doing this podcast is you, I get to have these conversations that are really, you know, if, if we were to meet at a cocktail party, we wouldn't be talking about this, you know? And, and I feel like my connection to people that I've never even necessarily met is so much more authentic sometimes than people that I've known for so many years. It's weird, but right? It and and you said that it's, you know, people that were uncomfortable with you changing. I mean, I think that is, that's definitely something that holds people back from yeah. doing things. Because right? they don't want to feel judged. Right, right. Yeah, here's what I, here's what I really believe. And I'm not just saying that. Everyone doesn't like me and it's okay. And people who don't like me just aren't my people. Right. And it took me a long time to not just say that, but to feel it because you have to feel it. You, your subconscious mind has to really believe things in order for your body to like, you know, actually really feel that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's so empowering when you embrace that concept. Yeah. So going back, like when you, when you went through the recovery and from the top, let's go back to before you started the blog and before you even started your website, when you thought, what was that first germ of like, maybe I'm going to write about this. Maybe, maybe this should be a blog. And then how long did that take you to, 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 to to actually go, okay, I'm all in, I'm doing this. To be perfectly honest with you, like it's a little bit hard for me to remember the exact timetable because it all feels a little bit of a blur, but I remember like being at home and my husband going to work, my dad and my stepmother were here for a lot of my treatment and, um, they had just been a huge form of support for me. And I just remember like that fear and trying to process it. So I spent a lot of time, like I said before, working on myself during that time period. So I would say like, maybe I spent three to five months just kind of like simmer, you know, sitting with that and taking really long walks and crying. And sometimes I would be downstairs doing yoga and just like screaming. I was so angry. At, angry yoga. I love yeah, it. I was so angry that, you know, this had happened. Laughing, but yeah, yeah, I get it. I no, get it. I've been I there for sure. I mean, well, yoga can definitely bring out all the emotions though. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it was Kundalini yoga, which is a little bit different, but I just, I, after that, I remember having a conversation with my husband, you know, I was like, I'm not going back to work. <laughs> you know, I was like that Dara, that, that ship has sailed and I'm not doing it anymore. And we had some, you know, there were some long talks because it, it, he had to adjust to that, you know, and, yeah. and thank goodness he was very supportive and I know I'm grateful. And I also recognize that because he goes to work every day for our family. Like I had that freedom to maybe take that leap without 
having a paycheck. I mean, I understand that I was very grateful to do that, to have that. Yeah. And I thank him every day for that. Yep. Yep. That's, that's uh, definitely kind of where I'm at right now because my photography business has slowed because of COVID. I mean, it's still surprisingly busy sometimes, um, but it has been, you know, so that, that income has gone down, but like yeah. you said, I'm, I'm working every day, all day, you know, yeah. and, and it's, yeah. and, okay. and it's that sense of purpose. And I have never been happier and so grateful to my husband for, for trudging through and, and, and being the solid one right now. And we flip that sometimes, you know, sometime like he, when he went to grad school, I was working and doing, you know, so that's, that's like a give and take with us. Um, and that's a beautiful relationship. I mean, yeah. you know, I, I feel like I remember like my husband, I don't know, he was home. The kids were home. This was a long time ago when I first started all this and they were like, wow, mom works really hard, you know, during the day and things were just starting to happen. And I was working on my first book and, you know, then I started the podcast and, and then I started doing a lot of workshops and speaking and I started getting asked to speak and, you know, all of that just, and then it started happening because it's kind of like, you know, once the momentum starts, the momentum really sort of takes off. And, um, but I remember they were just kind of like, wow, you really do work really hard. And, you know, I, I appreciated that so much. And yeah. um, now I wouldn't trade, I wouldn't trade this for anything. You know, it's, it's such a joy. It's such a gift. Oh my gosh. What an amazing thing. Do, what, what, um, what do you wish you had known when you decided to start, start your blog or write a book? Yeah. Your first book. I mean, that must've been daunting. I, you know, I feel like just that it's all going to work out. Whatever's supposed to happen is going to happen. And you don't have to know how it's all going to play out. Just kind of trust that, you know, put in the time, work hard. Um, It's okay to, to doubt yourself and to have those moments, but you've got to believe in yourself and show up every day doing the work and, be willing to make mistakes and be willing to learn from them, but keep going forward and figuring it out. And, you know, I've definitely made mistakes. Absolutely. There are things that I think now, you know, I shouldn't have, I shouldn't have done that or, you know, but I learned from it and who cares, right? Like I just keep trucking on. And I don't think there's any successful person who hasn't made a ton of mistakes and learn from them and move forward. It's, it's the yeah. Quit after they make a mistake that don't get to really realize their full potential. I think I wish they would teach. I, I wish we would have been taught, and I wish they would teach us that 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 failure is a good thing. That oh that that that, yeah. that it's actually just part of the process. And you know, I say that every day to my daughter who's <laughs> in high school now. I'm like, why are you taking physics? Who cares? You know, you're not going to be a scientist. I would like you to, you know, why are you spending time on that? I'd much rather you take like a life skills class that I would like to teach that, you know, shows you all the things that honestly are, would really serve you well. Um, so yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like our curriculum, our kids need, and they deserve to have, to be taught some of these skills that they need to know in life. Yeah. I think we just get so hung up on all the other stuff that. Yeah. 
it's almost like they could incorporate it into the physics yeah, course. Sure. You know what they I mean? Will. Any, anything in the world that you're teaching, you true. could, that you could true. teach your students, Hey, look, I'm here to push you to failure. And yeah. when you do, yay, that's going to let me know where, you know, if, if we could just rejigger the whole idea of, uh, you know, of say, okay, great. You, you reached a failing point. So now we know where we need to go from here. Right. That's a whole nother conversation. Right. About, you know, college <laughs> mission and measurement and, you know, all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I feel like our kids really do deserve to have real life lessons that we're saying we wish we had been taught when we were younger. Yeah. So now you've got a new book. Yeah. So um, my crush cancer came out and I had a workbook that went with that. And I started doing a lot of speaking and I was working on another project when I randomly found a Ziploc bag of letters in my house. And the, the bag contained over a hundred different, different letters. They were written to me when I was nine years old and I first went to sleepaway camp until I graduated from college. And they were written to me mostly by my mom and my two grandmothers. And my mom passed away a few weeks after I had my first daughter. So um, wow. the same weekend that we found out my mom had stage four cancer and it actually was melanoma. Um, and this was over 20 years ago, actually 21 years ago, but the same weekend that we found out she had stage four melanoma, I found out I was pregnant. And so, you know, the bigger my belly got, the sicker my mom got, and it was devastating for Mm. me. I was 28. My mom was my person and, um, she passed away a few weeks after I had Zoe. And so learning to live in the world without her was incredibly challenging. And, you know, I always say that grief followed me around like my shadow and I really never fully processed that loss. I try to distract myself. And that's when I really poured myself into work, you know, started on that path. And so then finding this bag of letters was an incredible gift. And when I first found the bag of letters, I did not have the courage to read it. I looked at it and then I closed the drawer. I didn't want to open the bag because I was afraid that it would bring back so much of the pain that I've worked so hard and the get, and, and the grief that I've worked so hard to sort of make peace with. But one night I thought, you know what? I wanna open this bag. And so I, I went and I opened the bag and I was blown away by how much wisdom the letters contained. I felt like I was having a conversation with my mom from my 40-ish perspective and I'm 49 now. I felt like I was getting to know her because she, she wrote a lot of the letters when she was raising her kids. And I never got to have that adult relationship with my mom in terms of like me being a mom and her being my mom and me sharing a lot of that with her. And, and so it was the biggest gift. And she was so positive. My mom was a counselor. And basically what I kept hearing over and over again was how much she valued life. And every single day of her life, she really viewed as such a gift. And it was kind of like someone saying to me, okay, Dara, it's time to let go of all the grief and sadness that you've been carrying around. And, you know, it also really showed me just how much grief I still was holding on to. And so that's when I realize it. Yeah, I I didn't realize it because you can get stuck in grief and I was totally stuck in grief. And so that's when I 
you know, a little bit of time went by like a couple weeks and I thought, you know, there's a book here. So I stopped what I was working on and I just literally sat in this room writing, sobbing, writing this book. I didn't have an outline. I didn't know what it was going to look like. And I just wrote from my heart. And I feel like so many people say they can really feel that when they read the book because it is raw and it is totally exposed and I don't hold back, but it also helped me realize when I was going through breast cancer, how much of my mom's illness I was reliving at that time and how I didn't really see it at the time. And so it was such a, an incredible experience for me, such a gift. And, you know, I, I think it's helping people really learn to be intentional about growing their relationships and telling the people they love and care about how they feel. And it showed me the power in letters and telling the people how you feel. And I believe there are different kinds of letters and, you know, just all of these different things and and traditions and family and being intentional about all of this. So it really kind of helped me just get a handle on all of that. Wow. Must have been just, oh, wow. Did you, what did, so you sat, I'm picturing you like sitting down with this bag of, did you say thousands of letters? No, hun- there are, there are over a hundred. Yeah. Okay. I mean, okay. Behind, like that's a little different, but still it's a lot. Me, there were a hundred letters sitting on the table behind me and I started sorting them. Um, like just, that was just how it started. I sorted them. Was it, I, were they sent to you when you were at camp, like year after yeah. year? So that, started, they were all camp well, letters? It started when I was nine years old and that first summer I was at sleepaway camp and then, and every summer after, but also when I went to college and I got a lot of letters in college and just all the letters that I got, you know, even when I was living at home, like on a birthday or special occasion, you know, my family, my mom, my grandmothers, they always wrote letters. And so all of it was in there. And, you know, also, oh my gosh, it makes me want to go write a letter to my kids right now. And I'm not much of a writer. Like I'm not a letter writer at all. Honestly, like there's so much in the book about that. I mean, I do feel like there are three different kinds of letters. There's the just because letter and the special occasion letter and the legacy letter that we write to the people that we love to read when we pass away. And the morning of my mom's funeral, my dad came into my room and gave me a legacy letter written to me by my mom. And, you know, it's all in there and, you know, how to do this. And it is such a gift to take the time to write people and tell them how you feel. I mean, we send text messages now, right? All the time and even emails, but nobody saves those. Right. So I can't tell you what a gift it is for me to have this. And I write letters to my daughters all the time. I actually always have, um, they write little notes to me. We've just always done that. But this experience makes me realize like how precious that is and how valuable it is. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And the whole idea of like, you've got all this stuff on Facebook and and, and, and emails and every text, like you said, it's all digital. It's all the zeros and ones and, and you don't print it. It's like photos, like, you know, I, as a photographer, if you, if you just keep the photos as digital photos, they're, they're not that you got to print them people. You got, you know, it's so important. to get It is. And, you know, also you want to surround yourself with things that you love. So like, if you don't print the pictures that you love, then you're not like necessarily looking at them. Like, I mean, I have a picture right here 
you know, obviously no, nobody can see this but you, but I mean, this is a picture of me. This is me when I'm a little girl, my brother is mm -hmm. little, my mom and dad. And I mean, this is a very meaningful picture and I just keep it right by my desk because, you know, I, I, I want to have that picture there and it, it's, it's so precious to me. And so we have to be intentional. It's all about being intentional about, yeah. you know, what we choose to surround ourselves with and what we, what we intentionally want to say to the people that we love and care about and how we go about doing that. Yeah. Ah, uh, you make me want to be a letter writer. I, I mean, I might honestly, need to take on a new it, project. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, and let me just say that it's not about being perfect. It's not about spelling all the words, right. Or having great handwriting or, you know, blah, blah, blah. We could, we could come up with excuses, right. It's mm -hmm. just really about writing from your heart. And in my book, I talk a lot about how to start that and what that looks like. And I share a lot of journal prompts to help people, you know, start, but at the end of the day, just write from your heart to the people that you love and care about the most. What more could they want? Yeah. What a great project for this moment in time. Thank you. You know, it's, it's um, so timely. Yeah. You know, people, if some, if people are, I think we're all kind of missing our hugs. Oh my gosh. Can you imagine how great oh. you could make somebody feel like sending a letter and it's yes. kind of like sending a hug? Right? I totally agree with you. I mean, I've definitely spent time during the pandemic, like once a week, I'll try to write a letter to someone that I haven't seen in a long time. And it doesn't matter. They could live in the city that I'm in or they could be really far away, but it feels good for me to write the letter because I'm thinking about someone that I really care about. And I can't tell you like how many times I've heard from people, oh my gosh, that was such a joyful, like I went to the mailbox and I wasn't expecting this and you made my day. And wow. I promise you to all your listeners, like go write a letter. <laughs> all right. That's your homework this week, yeah. folks. <laughs> I want to hear how it went too. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is I think so any, great. you know, anything we can do right now, any little joyful act we can do to, for someone else. Um, is really so well received right now, whether or not that's making cookies and delivering them to your friends and calling them and saying, there's cookies on your front porch to, you know, um, setting up a Zoom call or reaching out to people that you haven't talked to in a long time. Just any little thing that we can do to connect with someone else right now is so incredibly meaningful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Absolutely. Here, here. I, I think... I Okay. So that, that I'm going to end it there that I, oh my goodness, it's just wonderful that, that, that's the, that is the thing that we all need to be doing is, is connecting. Yeah, absolutely. We don't yeah. feel so alone. We're all in this together. And sometimes right now it feels like we're not, but yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. In fact, I woke up at two 30 in the night in the morning last night, feeling like I, just feeling like I had been neglecting people, mm. you know? Well, yeah. Maybe, um, maybe this was the universe saying, <laughs> I think so. I think so. That, yeah. Whatever that looks like for you, whatever feels right. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you. Oh my gosh. So much. Yeah. How, so people can find you at crazyperfectlife.com, right? Yeah. People can find me at crazyperfectlife.com. Um, they can, there's links to get my book. I am my mother's daughter that tells all about everything, how to write letters, how to connect, just 
so many amazing tools. Um, they can also, of course, get the book on Amazon and um, they can find me on Facebook, which is at Crazy Perfect Life and on Instagram at Crazy Perf Life. But of course, all those links are on, on my website as well. Perfect. And I will make sure to put links in the show notes for everybody um, who wants to check on this. And I can't, oh, you've inspired me. Thank you. Of course, it's my high privilege. Well, there you have it. You know, I'm not a letter writer, but after talking to Dara, I really want to sit down and write some letters to my loved ones. I always thought I would sit down every year and write a letter to my kids on their birthday to recap events of the past year. But it always seemed to get by me in the hustle and bustle of birthday party planning. I'm disappointed I never did that, but I don't want to beat myself up. And I always say it's never too late. So, I don't know, maybe I could write them some just because letters. So, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to write one letter to someone I love this week just to let them know how much they mean to me. Who's with me? I'm also really excited about the idea of writing a legacy letter to my kids. I hope I can manage to get that done. I can do that. I can do it. Anyway, what I find most interesting about Dara's story is how she realized that she just couldn't go back to her old life after her cancer treatment. She used that experience to dive deep and figure out what she really wanted out of life. And she had to have some tough conversations to let the people around her know that it wasn't going to be life as usual going forward. We all have our old ideas about what success looks like. But I think one of the beautiful things about getting older is that we don't have to accept and bow down to those old ideas. What might happen if success actually looked like whatever we decide it looks like? What if we got brave and courageous and started doing things simply because they make us happy and not because it checks a box? I think we can all take a page out of that book. If you want to know more about Dara and get a copy of her latest book, I'll have that information for you in the show notes. Just go to latebloomerliving.com forward slash podcast and click on the show notes for episode 41. And while you're there, you can also find a link to sign up for the free guide I created for you called Five Steps to Your Midlife Reboot. It'll come to you as an email series with some practical exercises that you can use over the course of several weeks to get past feeling stuck. You can do them at your own pace as they will be waiting for you in your inbox when you're ready for the next step. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have a fantastic week. Stay safe and well. Talk soon.